look at three passages of Scripture. I'd like to go first of all to John, the 8th chapter. And I want to tell you this morning that God will never leave you the way he found you. God will never leave you the way he found you. Psalm 119 relates that God knew when he created you, there would be a bump in the road, that there would be challenges, there will be frustrations, but he never gives up on his kids, ever. We learned a long time ago, God really doesn't have a plan B. God has a plan A for your life. And if you're looking for the plan of God, you will find it. Because of that, this is a church of restoration. We, we, we believe in restoration. We believe in reformation. We believe in healing. We believe in God uh, giving back things that the enemy has stolen from us. And whether you're young or whether you're old, you will find in life that there will be storms. There will be challenges. There will be frustrations. There will be things that will try to hinder and hurt. And if you're experiencing any of those things, you're probably real close to a breakthrough. You're probably real close to receiving something special from God. You're supposed to come to church and be healthy. You should be stronger today than you were last week. You should be closer to God today than you were last week. The Word says we come in one way and we leave another. Two weeks ago, we talked about the power of the blood it has the ability to restore and transform and ignite and refurbish and just has the power not just to set us free, but to push us to prod us in the direction that God has for us. We know Jeremiah says he has good plans. He has good plans for us, and he is constantly working things to our good to be able to step into those things. Last week, we talked about worship. We talked about praise. What happens when two or three gather together and begin to praise and worship God. We looked at Ecclesiastes where it says, if we are in agreement, if one falls down, the other one's there to pick him up. If one comes under attack, the other one is there to pick him up. And with the power of agreement, the Bible says, a threefold cord is not easily broken. And when you and I are walking in agreement with the things of God, there's a third person that, it, that not, not interrupts but invades there's a third person that invades our community, and that is Jesus. And, when Je and we are walking the power of agreement, and Jesus begins to agree with us. Incredible things begin to happen. The Word says, they that wait upon the Lord. It tells you all the things that happen. There are three definitions for the word wait. The first definition is the, is the, the word to tarry, to just be still, to just wait upon the Lord, and we understand that's healthy. And then we know there's a definition that includes servanthood, ministry, a waiter, a waitress, and that is serving the things of God, and that is certainly a blessing. But in the Hebrew, in Isaiah 40 and 31, that word wait is kovah, and it means to, it means to uh, braid together three strands to make it twice as powerful. And that three strands is you and I, when we're operating the things of God, God comes down, gets in our midst, and he begins to accelerate the things that he has for us. He is a God of acceleration, a God of multiplication. He's not division or subtraction, but he's a God of blessing. And the fact that you are here today says there's something in your heart and spirit that you are looking for in the kingdom. 
And again, he will not leave you the way you are. He knew there'd be a bump in the road in life, and he's, he can work with that. God can handle our stuff. God can handle our stuff. The Bible says that while we're asleep, God saw us in our blood and had compassion on us and mercy upon us and went into covenant with us. And if you've never explored or entertained or identified the term covenant, it's an incredible, phenomenal word. When Pastor Ron and I went into covenant, a lot of things happened. The first thing that happened, all of her enemies became my enemies. All of her friends became my friends. All of her wealth, which wasn't much, became my wealth. All of her debt became my debt. All of her blessings became my blessings. And what will happen is God will partner us that when our, in our weakness, our mate is usually strong, and in our strength, we're there to support our mate. And that's exactly what God did when he went into covenant with you. He declares all your enemies are his enemies. All your friends are his friends. All your wealth, which is limited, is his wealth, and all of your debt is his debt. And that's what happens. It's, it's, it's better than a marriage. It's better than a friendship. It's, it's divine. It's sovereign. And only God can pull that off. Only God can make that happen. I want to look at three areas of a young lady's life, and every one of you know the story that I'm about to share. But I want to share not just the story of where we are introduced to her, but I want to show you some transitions in her life. I want, to, I want to show you some growth in her life. I want, to show, I, want to, I want to show you some ministry in her life, that when God touched her, she did not remain just forgiven, but she began to step and operate in the favor and the blessing of the Lord. And here we are 2,000 years later, still talking about what she did, still talking about what she became, still talking about where she's at right now. How crazy is that? There's not a whole lot of people 2,000 years ago that we mentioned, unless it's someone in the Bible. But if you look at John, the eighth chapter, I want to share just a few verses and maybe comment on, on one or two as we approach the Scripture. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down, and he taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And I always pondered this passage of Scripture because the last time I checked, it took two to commit adultery. But how ironic. There's no guy here. There's no guy here. There's the lady. And, you know, there are a lot of ladies in life that make some promises, receive some promises, and expect those promises to mature. Yet now here they are alone with no guy in their life. And that's why Jesus said to take care of the widow. That's why he said to take care of the orphan. That's why this ministry for years has reached out to single moms and, and singles that have been abandoned or aborted or hurt or wounded. And if you're here this morning, you feel like that you have been left alone. I have good news for you. You are not alone. The King of Glory is your best friend, and he's here for you, and he has great things for you. And today you may realize some of those things that he has for you. But anyway, caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. That's not alcohol or drug. That's really a bad thing. Stone, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his fingers wrote on the ground as though he heard them not kind of ignored them, kind of blew them off. They pursued 
So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her, or let him pick up a rock and throw it if you are without sin. And again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. There are three times in the history of the world that we know of that God ever wrote. The first time, obviously, is the Ten Commandments, where the Bible says in Exodus that God took his finger and he etched out on stone the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from the mountain and saw the people parting, he got mad, and he broke that tablet into pieces. What would have happened had Moses kept that tablet, and that, cat, that tablet was secure even until today, that we could look and see the actual handwriting of God? How crazy would that be? But this morning, the handwriting of God is upon your heart, upon your spirit, upon your persona, and you're the walking logos, which means the written word of God. You are the walking word of God. Does that excite anybody in the house this morning that your words are anointed, your testimony is anointed, the enemy hates your testimony, but when you begin to share your testimony, the Bible says it's covered in blood, that though your sins be as scarlet, they are white as snow, Though they be as crimson, they shall be as wool. The second time that we know that God actually wrote was there in the, in the day of Daniel when the place was going crazy and God wrote many, many tekel you farsen on the wall of that place they were having a party. And the word means you have been found, you've been weighed, and you have been found wanting. And Daniel told the king that even tonight you're going to be destroyed for your sin. And the Bible says an earthquake came and leveled the place, and God's word came to pass. That's the second time that God ever wrote that we know of. The third time is when Jesus knelt down in the sand and began to write, I'm reminded in the Garden of Eden where the word says that God from the dust of the earth formed man. And I got to thinking about that, that, that phenomenal thing that God did as the dew came up. And we wonder why kids like to play in the mud is that God, with the dew of the earth, the, the mud of the earth, he made man. And uh, yesterday, we had two of our very own take on the challenge. We actually challenged them because I didn't want to do it, and I don't know anybody else that wanted to do it. But we had two guys in this house enter the building from somewhere over there underneath the building, and they crawled all the way to that wall. They crawled all the way to the kitchen, so not only do we have a prayer covering above us and a prayer covering with us, we now have a prayer covering of spiders and snakes. They bound them, they cursed them, and, uh, and they actually found some mud, some water. We're desperately looking for a water leak. But I got to thinking about them guys crawling around in the mud, and I got to thinking about kids playing the sandbox. I got, I got to thinking about God actually playing in the, in the sand and, and creating men. And how incredible that was. But Jesus began to write in the sand. And the word says that as they saw what he was writing, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, every one of them dropped their rocks. And the California term would be and split. They dropped their rocks and split. Now, we don't know what he wrote. I would like to think that he wrote the man's name and then maybe wrote down some kind of adulterous thought or some kind of adulterous action or whatever he wrote, let them know they weren't qualified to throw a stone because they had sin in their life. And let's go ahead and read the rest of that. So, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And, when, and they which heard it 
being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no, com hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Watch this, Neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way. And the actual Greek translates says, Go thy way and do this sin no more. No more adultery, no more fornication. Change your life. I have forgiven you, and I have given you another chance. If you go with me to Mark, the 14th chapter, I'm going to reintroduce this girl. A little later in life, obviously when the Lord forgave her, something happened in her heart and in her spirit, and she began a journey, and that was a journey to pursue the Lord. We find her probably what is about a year and a half, two years later in life, in, John four, in Mark 14. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him to crap and put him to death. But they said, not on feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat to meet, and let me explain a little bit about this banquet. This banquet was in honor of Lazarus that had been raised from the dead. When Lazarus had been raised from the dead, some of, some of them there in the village had a great big feast, and they were celebrating the the uh, resurrection of Lazarus. But what is so crazy, they focused more on the miracle than they focused on the miracle worker. Because we're going to find, and I don't know if you've ever been to Israel or Judea or anywhere in that area, but a lot of the roads are dirt. In that day, they didn't have vehicles to transport one another. They either rode a donkey or a horse or they walked. And when you walked in that kind of climate, your feet became hot, your feet became sweaty, and it was the order of that day that if you were a guest and you were taken and your feet were bathed, your feet were washed, they were anointed with the fragrance, and that was an honor. That was a blessing. But for some reason, they got all excited about the miracle, and they forgot about the miracle worker. Don't get so overwhelmed by what God is doing or has done in your life that you fail to forget to praise Him daily for what he has done. That song says, if you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, then you would know the reason why I love him so. Do I have a friend in the house? Can anybody relate? When you look back to that stormy night, and my mind goes back to that stormy night, when just in time I saw the light. Aren't you glad this morning that the light has come upon your life and has forgiven you and bathed you in love and bathed you in blood, and now you are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. That's okay. Old things are passed away. All things are in the process of becoming new, and that's what restoration is all about, that God is making you new again to be used for his glory. Do I have a friend in the house that would be excited about that? Verse 3, and being in Bethany in the house of a leper, he said at me, and there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, 
and she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that indignation with themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold more than 300 pence, which is a year's salary, and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. Crazy. You know, sometimes when we fail to do what we're supposed to do, and somebody else does what we were supposed to do, we're not thankful or appreciative. We get an attitude. It's a defensive. If I can take the attention off of me and make you look bad, then I have succeeded. And this is exactly what they've done. They, they got angry. They got upset because this great display of affection was shown. Another passage of Scripture will tell you that this was her life savings. And I'm, going, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but the woman we find here marked is the same woman that was in John. This is the woman that was caught in adultery. This is a woman that was probably a prostitute. This is a woman by all right should have been stoned and left for dead. But Jesus stepped into her life, forgave her, restored her, and gave her a brand new opportunity to be what God had called her to be. And very obviously, God had called her to be a worshiper because here she is bathing his feet in her tears, drying them with her hair, and anointing him with oil, how, how, anointing him with a, with a precious fragrance. How, how cool is that? How awesome is that, that she went from prostitute to praiser? She went from a woman in, in adultery to a woman of God. Aren't you glad that God can take you from where you're at, change your name, change your lifestyle, and change your way? Let me go ahead and read what it says. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble you here? She hath wrought a great work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, many of them do good. But me you have not always. And this is the point that I wanted to make in this entire story. She has done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body for bearing. He's headed to the cross. He will leave this scene, head to Jerusalem, be arrested, and be murdered. Verily I say unto you, whosoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the world... This also that she hath done shall be spoken of her for a memorial of her. This is a prophetic word that Jesus said that this, this miracle or this, this anointing is going to be talked about all over the world. Here we are 2,000 years later giving honor to this woman. And the point that I want to make is simply she has done what she could. You know, a lot of times, and, and we all know the cliche that faith without works is dead. But a lot of times God will open some doors or God will bring us to a place where it's important for us to make some decisions, important for us to operate and, 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 and get out of the nest and get into where God wants to go. And we get either frightened or lazy or intimidated. We should be a generation that has a reputation for having prayers answered, a quiet in this place, that's okay, a uh, local realtor had a very valuable piece of property that he owned and he had on the market. Got a phone call from his secretary and said, hey, said, uh, this piece of property you're asking 100000 for, this preacher from down the road came in and has offered $50,000 for the property. And he told the, he told the secretary, go ahead and sell it to her for $50,000. And the secretary said, I don't understand. I thought you were asking a hundred. He said, I am. He said, but if that preacher asks God for it, he'll get it for nothing. <laughs> That's the kind of reputation that we should have. We should have the kind of reputation that people seek us out and say, 
Would you pray for me? I believe in your prayer. I believe in your faithfulness. I believe in your relationship with God and have enough confidence in it that we would have a reputation to be a prayer answer. And there's a, there's a, there's a time in our life when we need to step out of the boat and we need to get involved in the things that God has called us to be involved in, not to be so wishy-washy that we fail to do what God has called us to do. I remind another guy that he learned that the uh, lottery was a million dollars, so he stopped and prayed that God, if you let me win the lottery, I'll give you 10%. God was quiet. Next day, he said, God, if you let me win the lottery, I'll give you 50%. God was quiet. The third day, he said, God, if you let me win the lottery, I'll give you 90%. God answers and speaks and says, son, buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> and what is Patrick saying? Get involved in things that God is prompting you to get involved in. Get, get, get involved in something that you can do. God's giving you talents. God's giving you gifts. And you know what? I was talking with Gene yesterday, and we are just talking about the timing of God and the, and the planning of God. God doesn't necessarily give us a worldwide ministry the first year of our life the first year of our relationship. Ron and I were reminded of a, of, a, of a story that happened to us when the church was very young, or actually it was before the church was even started. We were in revival, and there were about 50 or 60 people at my house on a Saturday night. We were just fellowshipping, and the God opened the door for us to bring a man from Dallas by the name of Jack Abram. I don't know if the name means anything to you, but Jack Abram was on staff with Larry Lee, about 30 years ago, Larry Lee wrote a book. It wasn't an original book. It was written uh, several years earlier by E.M. Bounds, but it was on the power of prayer. And Larry Lee is the one that broke down the Lord's Prayer and taught us how to worship God, the names of God, to ask God to walk in forgiveness, to walk in and to end it with worship. And uh, the book became a bestseller. And every, every morning, people by the hundreds were gathering at Larry's church to pray. And one of these guys that gathered to pray was just, he was just, I hate to use the word laity, but he wasn't on staff, he wasn't a minister, but he was faithful. And he was there every morning for a year to pray with his pastor. One morning at, at, as I got done praying, Larry looked at Jack and said, Jack, I believe it's God's will for you to take this prayer to the nation. Larry Lee began to make phone calls and different churches began to host Jack Abram. I'm not sure how we were connected but we invited Jack Abram to come to our house to teach us personally how to, how to pray that prayer. And that's when Jack Abram looked at us and said, many times God will move, but, but sometimes God will move sovereignly, and you don't want to miss a sovereign move of God. And this was right when we were praying about starting a church, and Jack said, this going on right here is a sovereign move of God. You need to pursue it. And we went ahead and birthed the church, and here we are 29 years later. But the point I was going to make is that Jack Abram didn't just one day be called to go out and honor the prayer that would change the world. There was faithfulness. There was commitment. There was things that he did that God blessed. So there are some things. The Bible says she did what she could. She took what she had. She anointed his feet. She anointed his head. She, she anointed him with perfume. She did what she could. And because she did what she could, not only was he honored, but here we are again 2,000 years later, and now we're going to give her a name. If you'll go with me to John, the 20th chapter, you will learn that her name is Mary. So we found her in sin. We found her ministering as a worshiper. And now, ironically, Mary is the first one 
to witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ. She was the first eyewitness. I thought that was so cool. There are a lot of people, including Paul, that had a problem with lady ministries, and there are those still today that would say a woman is not supposed to be in the pulpit, a woman is not supposed to teach, uh, blah, 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 when they failed to realize the first woman to preach, I'm sorry, the first person to preach the good news of the resurrection, an eyewitness to an empty tomb, was Mary. So let's give it up for women. Let's give it up for women's ministries, women preachers. God uses women. And nine times out of ten, he'll use a woman before he will use a man because a woman is more pliable and more, more, I guess, relevant and ready to be used. Do I have a friend in the house? Certainly every guy would agree with me, but they're going to do it quietly. I see how you are. I see how you guys are rolling this morning. Thank you, Pastor Todd. Uh, John 20. The very first verse is the verse that I want to uh, magnify. The first day of the week came Mary Magdalene. There are three Marys, but this Magdalene identifies her as the ex-prostitute. When it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. The phrase that I want to bring attention to, Josh, it says, On the first day of the week cometh Mary early to the graveyard while it was dark. As many of you know, I enjoy time in the woods. I spend a lot of time in the woods. Uh, my favorite time of the day is when the night noises cease and the morning noises begin. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. When you walk into the woods, you can hear the crickets. You can hear the night, maybe an owl, maybe. But, but there's definitely a sound in the night. And then as you sit there, and all of a sudden, the sun begins to barely begins to very barely rise, and all of a sudden, the animals of the forest wake up, and the squirrels begin to chirp, and the birds begin to sing. There's nothing quite like it. But not once or twice, but several times have I walked into the woods to a certain destination and have got lost. Everything changes at night. You know, it's funny, just to get up... You never know what Pastor Ron is going to do after I go to bed. There's no telling what she's, what she's liable to do. Well, one night, she didn't tell me or give me any warning, but she ironed clothes after I went to bed. Well, I got up about 3 o'clock in the morning, used the bathroom, didn't know the ironing board was there, whacked it, fell over, like to kill myself, probably said something I shouldn't have said, I have since repented for, I'm still that carnal man trying to pursue the, the righteousness of God. But, you know, if, if, you, if you ever go in the woods thinking you know where you're going and you don't have trail markers, don't get cocky, but you can get lost. And I thought after 30-some-odd years of spending time in the woods, and I've hunted some of the greatest places in the world, Alaska, it doesn't matter, but I've been to a lot of places at night. Uh, yesterday, or day before yesterday, I was walking from my stand to the truck, and I got lost. I just, I just, I just got lost. I, I had no clue where I was, and I mean, I was completely lost. So I called Mike McCormick. I'm, I'm at his, I'm at his property, and I said, Mike, would you go outside and honk the horn? Just go, out, go outside. Would you go? He said, What's going on? I said, Mike, I'm lost. 
I have absolutely no clue where I am. I am lost. And he honked the horn, and I, I heard, I heard a noise. I heard it was salvation to me. It was like, and I was nowhere near where I was. I mean, I was lost. I was out there. And I conclude with this. I, I conclude with this. I conclude this story. Uh, several years ago, same, same story. I was actually in a swamp, and it was dangerous. There was only a certain places you could walk. And uh, very early headed back to the four-wheeler, I lost my way. And of all times, for my of all times for my battery to go dead in my flashlight, I had no flashlight. And I don't know if you've, you've ever been in the dark and you can't see anything and you have absolutely no clue where you're going. And I knew the guys were less than a mile away. And it had been about 45 minutes, and I actually got into the swamp where there were things there that could hurt me, like an alligator or a, or a, or a water moccasin, and decided I am not going to walk any farther. If I, if I keep walking, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get something bad is going to happen to me. And, you know, maybe, maybe the Lord's saying that to you today. Maybe the steps you're taking are not good for you. Maybe if you continue to go in this relationship or in this adventure or this moment, you could really do some things that could really hurt you. And obviously, I don't know where to go. I don't really know what to do, but I had a shotgun. And I fired that shotgun three times as fast as I could. Bam, bam, bam. And about 20 minutes later, off in no... In the, the opposite direction of me, where I thought I should go, I saw a light. And it was a four-wheeler. Four and it was Tim Sally. And he drove the four-wheeler right to where I was. And here's what I said when I saw him. I said, I knew you'd come. It might be dark right now. There might be some bad things going on in your life. Maybe you have some bad news. Maybe there's bad people. Maybe a bad relationship. Maybe it's dark. Maybe just, and you don't have a clue what to do. If you'll reach out and call upon the name of the Lord, no matter what swamp you're in, no matter how deep you're involved, God can come to where you're at, and you can find your way. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, I believe this morning God touched someone's back. I believe this morning God touched someone's foot. I believe this morning God touched some anxiety. There's nothing worse than anxiety, worried over something. But I, but I believe there's someone here this morning that has lost their way, and they've wandered away from God, and they don't like where they're at. They don't like where they're at. It's dark. It's scary. Maybe they've fallen over an iron board and become wounded. And maybe they just don't know what to do. The song says that there is a lighthouse that still shines a light. And we're able to go to that lighthouse, call upon that lighthouse, expect that lighthouse to become mobile and to come to where we are. I know that's impossible, but that's what God does. If you're here this morning and you've wandered away from and I, I promise you, I will not embarrass you or bring attention to you. That's not the way I roll. But if you're here this morning and you've kind of wandered away from God and you're not where you're supposed to be, would you just put your hand up to Him? Not to me, but to Him. Sure. Sure. And I want to say for that hand that was lifted, this entire day was all about you.
this entire day, every song, every prayer, every word this morning is all about you. God cared enough about you to take you from where you're at to the place you're where you're going. That's why he came, and that's why you're here. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you for life. We thank you for this child that has lifted his hand to acknowledge his need for you. Father, Romans Road says that all have sinned and come short the glory of God. But your word also says in Romans, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You said in Romans that if we would confess with the mouth and believe in our heart that Christ was raised from the dead and the Savior of the world, that not only would we be saved, but that Christ would come into our heart and live with us. We acknowledge that today. And as Pastor Rhonda mentioned, when one child repents, all of heaven is rejoicing. Today we know that all of heaven is singing a new song, a song of salvation, a song of affirmation, a song of glory, that a child that was lost has now been found. He who is dead is now alive. He who was cursed is now blessed. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation for that blood that will never lose its power.